0: Here's an easy way for you to help us cast ChristNet on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review the Issues, Etc. podcast with your podcast provider. Type Issues, Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues, Etc. Help us reach more listeners in 2024. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. I continue to contend that the biggest problem we face as a movement is not that people have heard our arguments and rejected them. It's that they've never heard a persuasive pro-life case or never taken the time to consider one.
1: The catechism that we've been told by the world is Christianity is backward. It's quite the opposite. The push toward LGBTQ rhetoric is a push backwards in time, backwards to a pre-Christian morality. The higher critic is dead or dying, and Jesus rose again from the dead. So I'm going to take... His view of the Bible rather than your view of the Bible.
0: I think we need to be very open to the reality that if baptism is a new birth and your first birth took place without your knowledge or consent, then your second birth can also take place without your knowledge or consent. It is the gift to you of a new life.
2: Hi, this is Mark in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and fathers watching their four month old daughters love listening to issues, etc. Three headlines, just as a sample, from the New York Times, Blessing of Same-Sex Couples, Rankles, Africa's Catholics. From the Reuters News Service, in Nigeria and much of Africa, Catholic same-sex couples, see no blessing soon. And from Religion News Service, How to Deal with Same-Sex Unions, It's a Question Fracturing Major Christian Denominations. A lot of coverage, how good is it, and what sparked all of it? Well... It was Pope Francis. Surprise, surprise. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Live on this Wednesday afternoon, January the 10th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to talk about media coverage of the blessing of same-sex couples. Terry Mattingly from Get Religion will be our guest. We'll spend some time with Rachel Morrison from the Ethics and Public Policy Center. We'll discuss the Biden administration and its LGBTQ agenda. Then we'll study the Epiphany Hymn, The Only Son from Heaven, with Dr. Arthur Just of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He is founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. So the Methodists are in schism over this issue of LGBTQ issues. The Anglicans appear to be heading that way rather quickly. Now Rome is openly fighting. Bishops are denouncing some of the things Pope Francis has said. Is there more to these tensions than LGBTQ issues?
1: Well, there are. There really is. And we discussed, back at the end of the year, I pointed out when we were discussing the the top stories of 2023, that we were seeing the LGBTQ plus fight in these various communions. And there's no question about it. The the sexual revolution is a huge issue and it's it's affecting pretty much, well, it's affecting all of the mainline Protestant denominations in one way or the other. And the coverage of the New York Times in particular this is a much stronger story than I expected from them about what's happening in Africa. I think there's things that are missing, but the the basic idea here is really strong, which is that Africa demographically and statistically represents the future of the Roman Catholic Church, but it's a completely different position on the LGBTQ issue, the same-sex blessing issue that's made so many headlines. But I also think it's important to realize that when you look at what the Roman Catholic story shares in common with the Anglican communion story and what it shares in common with the United Methodist story, that this isn't just about homosexuality. There are other cultural differences. There are other demographic differences. There are important things going on here that we can't forget them just because we want to write headlines about same-sex blessings. Let me flash back to something that some of our listeners may remember us talking about in the past. It's an anecdote I've used many times, but it couldn't possibly be more accurate to what we're talking about today. It's an anecdote that comes to me from an Anglican bishop named C. Simons Allison, who's now in his 90s and is alive and well, and several decades ago he was in a meeting as a part of a Lambeth conference, if I remember correctly, in Canterbury, and they had bishops from around the world sitting in a circle, sitting in individual circles, doing what what Bishop Allison called kumbaya talking, trying to find peace, trying to find something positive to talk about instead of just their ongoing wars about, of course, a lot of issues, but sexuality being one of the big ones. So the people from the North and the West were going on and on about the progress they're making and the progressive things they're doing, and they're looking to the future and trying to get with their culture and make changes, et cetera, et cetera. And this went on and on, he said. And finally, an African bishop raised his hand and stopped the conversation dead in its tracks raised his hands and looked at one of the bishops from America and said, where are your children? Where are your converts and where are your clergy? I may have the order of those three questions out of line, but the basic idea: where are your clergy, where are your converts, and where are your children? There was just huge silence because everybody knew that the global South, Africa and Asia, parts of Asia in particular, were headed in completely different statistical and demographic directions than North America, than Europe. And so what we see here is not just a battle about same sex blessing. We're looking at a much larger story about the directions of Christianity in the world as a whole, and whether the nations and the cultures that dominated in the past, Europe, North America, etc., whether those cultures will be dominating Christianity in the future. Or, to name a famous book, that I interviewed the author for my column this week, which I just sent to the syndicate today. It'll be coming out this weekend. I interviewed a man named Philip Jenkins, who's a historian who has been decades, I repeat, decades ahead on this issue, starting with a cover story that he wrote in the 1990s for The Atlantic. And it was a chapter from a famous book that would come out later called The Next Christendom. And in it, he argued that in the trends that matter, the future of Christianity was in the global south, not in the statistically frozen north.
2: So the numbers certainly seem to indicate that when it comes to the Catholic angle on this story, the phrase that stands out to me is, you have the money, we have the numbers. Oh, yeah.
1: That's from Religion News Services, where you you cited that many many more people will see that story uh, at the associated press it's the same story because rns and ap share copy from time to time i think there's some common grant money there for some of this coverage and that's a quote from the get religion associate ryan berg the political scientist who's become so in my opinion justifiably famous for his charts about trends in statistics and just to read that section of the story. For global denominations, notably Catholics, Anglicans, and United Methodists, Berg sees another source of tension. Some of their biggest growth in recent decades has been in socially conservative African American countries where same sex relationships are taboo. And then there's that quote you just read quote African bishops have this ammunition, Berg said. They say to the West, We're the ones growing. You have the money. We have the numbers. And I would point back just a couple of weeks ago to a, a, another story that got some play that I mentioned to get religion, and that is, increasingly, Americans in Catholic churches are going to their churches and finding that their new priest, or perhaps an assistant priest who's been attached to the, dot, to the altar for a year or two, that in order to still have clergy in their parishes— They have priests coming from Africa, where they have an abundance of clergy. They have many vocations to the ministry in African churches in in a Catholic setting. And the same thing is true among Anglicans and Methodists and other denominations. I mean, so he's absolutely right here. But once again, those numbers, those growing churches, They point to issues other than just, oh, a fight about same-sex blessings. They point to other trends that we're simply gonna have to talk about if we want to understand why these stories go on decade after decade, and now why Roman Catholics are getting caught up in the same fights.
2: I mentioned the Reuters headline, and it kind of deviated from the norm, and I I get the impression that the Reuters reporter had to probably search, far and wide to find a same-sex couple that wouldn't be getting their blessings soon, especially in Nigeria and other African countries.
1: Yeah, I think we can dismiss that story as kind of an anecdote about one case. It didn't have anywhere near the backbone of facts and issues that we saw in either the Associated Press story or the New York Times story. Like I said, there's some missing things in those two strong reports, and we can talk about them. But the Reuters reports is is just, you know, it's an anecdote in search of a story. And our listeners don't need to look that one up.
2: Terry Mattingly is our guest. We're talking about media coverage of the blessing of same-sex couples. When we come back, we will talk about the New York Times, which Terry says came out of the gate strong. If you appreciate Issues Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. A bequest allows you to receive an estate tax charitable deduction and reduces the tax burden on your family. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the word of the Lord endures forever. You're personally invited to join Lutherans for Life and Why for Life in celebrating under the theme Just As
1: I Am, January 14th through the 20th during Life Week 2024. Each theme day will explore a distinct aspect of life ministry through local activities, online educational events, interviews, and more. For additional information, visit Lutheransforlife.org. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org solid, serious, substantive. You're listening to Issues Etc.
0: This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod school? There's one race, the human race and Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception, all life is precious from womb to tomb, and every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, He created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman, there's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and His Word. To find a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools.
2: In the next hour of Issues, Etc., we'll be studying the epiphany hymn, The Only Son from Heaven, with Dr. Arthur Jest of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. In the meantime, it's media coverage of the blessing of same-sex couples. Terry Mattingly is our guest. Terry, let's talk about the New York Times piece that you said really opened strong and covered a lot of the facts. One significant one is missing, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Well, I think
1: one of the things that you hear in the AP story and in the New York Times story, is when they talk about the churches are growing, I think Americans immediately think in terms of just church member numbers. And in this case there are a lot of other issues that are linked to those that need to be discussed openly. It's not just a same-sex blessing issue. There are radically different beliefs in both the, the global south and the north over some really basic issues, and they vary from denomination to domination. In the United Methodist, for example, you wouldn't be battling, obviously, over the Latin mass or over traditional forms of worship, but much like in the Anglican communion, they will have moved on to issues about Christology, about the nature of Christ. They would have moved on to battles about salvation. And I think in the Roman Catholic Church, you can begin to look at the polls that show that, for example, in the North American Church, among cultural Catholics, Catholics broadly defined, belief in the real presence in the Eucharist has just plummeted. And you would also look for things like whether or not people in America, go to confession to the same degree as they might in other parts of the world. Reporters need to look at the parallel issues affecting doctrine and biblical authority, biblical authority particularly in a Protestant, uh, Anglican context, Methodist context. But you need to find out what are the other issues that are being discussed here. Another thing I would stress, these stories missed the fact that in Africa, Many of these cultures, Nigeria would be the best example. I mean, you have a strong, open clash with another growing world religion, and that is Islam. Now, try to imagine if you're the pastor of an Anglican church somewhere in central or northern Nigeria, and you're in a predominantly Islamic culture, and the headlines are how Anglicans are now blessing same-sex marriages. You know that Islam is going to use that, radicalized forms of Islam in particular, Islam is going to use that against the church. In the Roman Catholic context, those clashes with Islam are growing increasingly painful in some parts of Africa. We talked, I believe, just last week about how the press continues to miss the stories at Christmas every year where you have massacres in Christian churches in Nigeria. So there should have been something in here about the hesitancy of African bishops to go liberal on some of these cultural issues because (laughs) to say that they live in a rather different culture than in Germany or England or blue zip codes in North America, That would be the understatement. Islam is a primary reality on the ground for their people. Another thing that I think, I'm not sure how they could have written it into these stories, but I faced it this week in writing my column, and that's a Philip Jenkins helped me understand the degree to which that the global south that he wrote about three decades ago has changed radically. As he told me, there really isn't a Global South now, there are multiple Global Souths. And Francis is a great example of that reality in the sense that if you talk about the Global South, it's Africa, it's Latin America, it's Asia, but you have countries now in Latin America where the demographics of the church are just as bad as they are in parts of Europe. He said Uruguay is one of the oldest countries now in the world, and Argentina is one of the most European-styled cultures in Latin America, and Pope Francis, of course, is from Argentina, and you can see his Argentina background and his Italian heritage of his parents. You can see his European roots and his thought frequently in these battles over these issues. So he said, so you can't assume that everybody outside of Europe or North America is doing just fine. There's a lot of cultures now where traditional forms of religion are turning into secularism. He mentioned in particular that we may look back on this decade or so in the future and realize that what's happening in Iran with the growth of people who have no religious faith at all, he called them the Iranian nuns, N-O-N-E-S. We may look back as the future as this being the time when Iran became a center for secularism in the Middle East and people who have abandoned the practices of Islam. I would note that even in countries we think of as very conservative, like Poland or Russia or whatever, birth rates are way, way down. And this is something that Jenkins wrote an entire book about this, that in the end, fertility and strong religious faith show up over and over. And in that Anglican bishop's quote, when he said, where are your children, where are your converts, where are your priests, the children there was just a reality. If you don't have many children, being born in your church, you're not going to have a potential to have lots of priests. If you don't have children being born at above replacement rate, you're probably not going to have a vital church that's going to be doing a lot of outreach and evangelism into its community. You're going to be an older church, and a church that's more concerned about just kind of taking care of the people that are already in the pews. So This issue of fertility and birth rates is something that is obviously linked to battles over the sexual revolution, and I guess indirectly LGBTQ issues, but in many ways it's the big story here in terms of the Methodists and the Anglicans, and now the Roman Catholics. Where the church is shrinking. It's often shrinking for reasons of evangelism, but it's also shrinking simply because of birth rates. There's a strong paragraph in the New York Times story that gets half the equation. Home to 236 million of the world's 1.3 billion Catholics, Africa accounted for more than half of the 16.2 million people who joined the church worldwide in 2021. Okay, well, the other half that equation is what's happening in the nations that are now steering the direction of doctrinal debates within Catholicism. Germany is in complete demographic collapse in terms of Catholicism, and I guess for Lutherans as well, but Germany and Europe is largely steering the Synod on Synodality and many of the discussions about changes in the future life of the church. You can read large numbers of stories about the synod on synodality, and you'll see very little coming from the parts of the global south that are still growing and still have high birth rates and still are producing lots of clergy. You may find people from Argentina, and that looks like the south, or Uruguay, or Chile, or parts of Mexico. But he would argue, he being Philip Jenkins, would argue that those parts of the world are no longer a part of the trends that we see in the rest of the global South. I could go on and on about that. But but the key is, if all you want to write about is homosexuality, you only have one issue doctrinally in terms of the various issues that are being discussed and debated, and you only have one sign of a larger question, which is what's happening to the vitality of these churches in terms of children, converts,
2: and priests. One of the things you said is missing is kind of the role of Islam in its growth. It's also growing in Africa, and there are a number of countries where it's nearly 100% of the population, and then others where it is Upward of 85 to 90% of the population. That's got to be a factor in these stories.
1: There is, and some of those countries are still vitally Islamic, and, and you're seeing very intense religious beliefs in nations like Pakistan and Egypt. Whatever we may think of that and whatever impact that might have on religious minorities like Coptic Christians in Egypt, Those countries, you know, Islam is very much alive and thriving in those countries. I mentioned Nigeria, and I mentioned Africa in terms of Islam, because that's a, especially the lower two-thirds of Africa, this is where you're seeing more of a competition between not one faith that's declining and another faith that's growing. What you're seeing in the lower two-thirds of Africa are two growing evangelistic, thriving, demographically strong, young faiths. And that's part of why the the conflicts that we see in Nigeria are so painful, and it's also why they're not going away. It, it's one thing when you have, like say in Europe, rising numbers of Muslims, and the, the Muslims have strong birth rates, and they have lots of children, and they have a growing influence of culture, and you have Christian churches in Europe in rapid decline. That's a radically different story than what we see in Africa and in some parts of Asia, where you have growing, two growing faiths occupying the same nation and the same culture. That's going to be a completely different kind of tension. The trends there are are gonna cause collisions in the streets, in government, in business, in the military, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Let's talk about the schism angle here for a little bit. Two of the of the denominations that we've mentioned, um, Anglicanism and the United Methodist Church, which is a global Protestant church body, already are either in yeah. in schism or on the very edge, for all practical purposes, on the very edge of it. But I just don't think that that's going to be a threat in Roman Catholicism. They just don't split up. I would
1: simply say that I don't know. I mean you're beginning to hear people accuse, let's put it this way, within the last 24 hours I have read pieces in which people on the right accused Francis of leading the church into schism. And the word heresy is beginning to be openly used. I have a quote in my column this week from an African bishop who's rejecting any use of this new document from the Vatican on same-sex blessings, and he just says, this looks like a heresy, it reads like a heresy, and it affects heresy. We cannot allow such an offensive and apparently blasphemous declaration to be implemented in our diocese. Now, from the viewpoint of the left, that man is trying to cause a schism. From the viewpoint of the traditional Catholics of Africa, Pope Francis may be trying to create a schism. And then when you look at who's in power in the synod and who isn't, you could say that at the end of, say, 12 months from now, after the second meeting of the Synod on Synodality, we may know more about the degree to which this process, which is openly led by Europe and the Global North and the sections of the Global South that align more easily with Pope Francis, like Argentina, Uruguay, etc. You may need to reconsider your words in 12 months. The Catholic side though will also say there have been popes that have taken the Church one direction or the other in the past. But what happens when you begin to string one pope after another, steering a different direction? Could the Roman Catholic Church split? I don't think anybody can say right now, but you would have to say that on both the left and the right, activists are starting to accuse the other side of flirting with schism. And let me give you another quote. This is from the person that was the former head of the Vatican's Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments. And this is the Guinean Cardinal, Robert Serra, a very powerful cardinal from the era of Pope Benedict. And he noted that Africa has the task of announcing the Word of God in front of Western Christians who, because they are rich, equipped with multiple skills in philosophy, theology, biblical and canonical sciences, believe they are evolved, modern, and wise in the wisdom of the church. He urged bishops' conferences around the world to reject the document, but then he added, by doing so we are not opposing Pope Francis, but we are firmly and radically opposing a heresy that seriously undermines the church, the body of Christ, because it is contrary to the Catholic faith and tradition. He backs off for a second and says, no, I'm not attacking Pope Francis directly. But then he turns right around and uses the word heresy. From the viewpoint of the left, that sounds like Protestantism. Like I get to say what the Catholic faith is, not the pope. But then from the conservatives, they're saying, but the pope is now conflicting with centuries of Catholic doctrine, and the catechism that was created or renewed or updated just a decade or so ago. So you have both sides now beginning to aim this sorts of language at each other. So I would say, let's watch the Synod next year. Playing this card with the same-sex blessing document certainly will turn the heat up under the Synod meetings next year. And we should also begin to say, with people talking about the pope's health and everything, when you see people talk about the potential future popes, are they all from Europe? Are they all from Italy? Are they all from the circles around Pope Francis? Or are any of the people being discussed for the future leadership of the church coming out of the growing churches in the sections of the Global South that remain quite traditional?
2: With about a minute here, Terry, what needs to be added to the media coverage of The Blessing of Same-Sex Couples? Who
1: gets disciplined? I think we've talked about that in the past, but everyone's saying that that document was aimed at Germany in an attempt to get Germany to slow down. Yet the document gives the Germans permission to do what they were already doing in terms of same-sex blessing, it kind of just tells them to be more careful about it and maybe don't let photographers show up as often. Move it back quietly into the shadows. So who gets disciplined in the next year or two? Do we continue to see conservatives losing their diocese, you know, and losing their positions of power? Or when will the favored bishops of Europe and the pro-Francis parts of the Global South, when will those people be disciplined? I think that's the key issue for the year ahead.
2: Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, thank you. Glad to be here. When we come back on this Wednesday afternoon, we'll talk about the Biden administration and its pursuit of the LGBTQ agenda with Rachel Morrison of the Ethics and Public Policy Center.
0: know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start, the foundation of Jesus
1: Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8000 products for churches, schools and homes. Dedicated customer service and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House, listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House, cph.org.
0: Have you ever wanted a resource to share with first-time visitors of your congregation to help them understand why we worship the way we worship, why your church gathers the way they gather to receive our Lord's gifts? Pick up your copy of the January issue of The Lutheran Witness, which is The Divine Service, A User's Guide. To order a copy, visit cph.org witness, or visit our website to learn more, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.
1: Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. Do you dream about having stained glass windows at your church, but know they are too expensive to ever get them? Cruesome has the solution. Our window clings are an excellent way to enhance the beauty of your church without breaking that glass ceiling. Visit adcruesome.com and reach out to us to work with you on this project. Ad Crusum, established in 2014 and still going strong. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M Memoria Press is a worldwide leader in the publishing of classical Christian education. We have everything you need for students in kindergarten through 12th grade, and our materials can be used in any classroom setting to suit your needs. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 to save $5 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time.